Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm David Greenstein, and we're studying Masechet Ketubot, Tractate Ketubot, Kuf Yud Aleph, Amud Aleph, Vamud Bet, page 111, A and B. This page includes extensive discussions about the land of Israel, our feelings toward the land of Israel, special nature. It includes some complex and very touching portrayals of the attachment of sages and regular people to the land of Israel and how that attachment sometimes brought them great joy and sometimes brought them great sorrow. The complexity of the situation is also reflected in the beginning of our page's story, which is a continuation from the previous page, where there is a discussion, an argument, between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Zeira. Rabbi Zeira was a student of Rabbi Yehuda, who was a great sage in Babylonia. He wanted to, to fulfill the dream of coming to the Promised Land. But Rabbi Yehuda's teacher had pronounced a very striking statement. He said, anyone who leaves Babylonia to go to the land of Israel transgresses a positive commandment by God. Rabbi Yehuda, as it emerges from our discussion on 111a, is found to be advocating a point of view which is maintained today by certain segments of the ultra-Orthodox community, that we have no right to go back to the land of Israel until the time of the Messiah. We've been exiled from the land, and we have been put under oath by God to accept our fate, accept our punishment, until God finally decides to bring the redemption. There are three oaths that we have taken. We've taken an oath not to try to capture the land of Israel. We have taken an oath not to rebel against the nations that rule over us. And the third oath is that the nations themselves, in return, have taken an oath not to unduly oppress us. Of course, many people today would claim that since the nations of the world have not lived up to their end of the bargain, we are released from living up to our obligations as well. But Rabbi Zeira and Rabbi Huda disagree about the present-day obligation to go to the land of Israel. And Rabbi Huda expresses a view that the Babylonian Jewish community is a community of deep roots, and most importantly, it is a community of great Torah learning. So two aspects. First of all, it is a community that is, in relation to its genealogy, a purer Jewish community than the community living in the land of Israel. Apparently they felt that the land of Israel had been subjected to invasions and to so many other nations coming in, dwelling there, taking possession of it, that the genetic purity of the Jews could no longer be assumed, while the community in Babylonia saw itself as directly related to the exiles from Israel at the end of the first commonwealth. So by the time of Rabbi Yehuda, we're talking about a community that's been basically living undisturbed for over 800 years, 
First, it was a community of no consequence, a community of defeated exiles. But by the time of Rav Yehuda, it's a community of great Torah scholars and academies. And Rav Yehuda believes that such a community is equal, if not superior, to the land of Israel and the Jews that live there. Better to live in a vibrant community of Torah scholars than to go to the land of Israel and, as many sages did, roll around in the desolate dust of its earth. Nevertheless, Talmud extols the land of Israel as being beloved, beautiful, fruitful, and the place that God loves the most. It talks about people who do not merit living in the land, but wish to be buried in the land. And of course, the paradigm for that is the story of our patriarch Jacob, who asks his sons in Egypt to take him back to the land of his father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, and be buried in the land of Israel. And the Talmud says that what he wished to avoid was Gilgul Mechilot, the experience of having to roll through the underground tunnels that would bring the dead to the land of Israel in the times of the Messiah. So we have this word Gilgul, which later on becomes a term for reincarnation, but here means to roll through and get to the land of Israel. It's striking that the Talmud tells a story of a man, not a sage, a regular person, who fell in love with a woman who lived outside the land of Israel. And he wished to marry her, and to do that he would have had to leave Israel and make a life outside of Israel. And the Talmud says once he heard all of the teachings brought forth about the importance of living in the land, he gave up his dream. He gave up his dream to marry that woman and Gilgal Ba'atzmo. And he rolled around himself alone until the end of his days in the land of Israel without succeeding in fulfilling his dream. So the same word Gilgul is used not as an action that brings the final realization of every person's dream to come and live in the land of Israel, but instead becomes a kind of condemnation. This man is condemned to roll around in the land of Israel alone and unfulfilled. The Talmud tells us that the command to cleave to the Holy Blessed One can be fulfilled by serving, engaging with, and helping sages. This should be seen as a point in line with the philosophy of Rav Yehuda, that the supremacy of Torah study is what gives life to the people, rather than living in the land of Israel as being the source of life. It's significant, therefore, that the story that we start out with on this page, the story of Rav Zeira, is a story that requires Rav Zeira to distance himself from his teacher. Instead of fulfilling the mitzvah of clinging closely and following his great mentor, Rav Yehuda, in order for him to be able to get to the land of Israel, he must separate himself, hide from, and run away from his teacher. The painful paradox is evident. Can't refrain from mentioning one last beautiful teaching on this page. When the Talmud discusses some of the verses that Jacob, on his deathbed, spoke to his sons, it takes one of the verses, which is in very dense poetic Hebrew, homiletically interpreted in many ways, but echoing 
the image of Israel as a land flowing with milk and honey. This verse also talks about Joseph as being one whose teeth are white as milk and whose eyes are like wine. And the Talmud says, what does this verse simply mean? What is the pshat? What is the straightforward meaning of this verse? And surprisingly, what the Talmud says is, the simplest meaning of this verse is that the assembly of Israel, the Jewish people, are calling out to their God, calling out to the Holy Blessed One, and saying, please, can't you give us just one more loving look with your eyes? It would be sweeter than wine. Can't you give us just one joyous smile to show us how much you're happy with us, how much you love us? The white of your teeth would be sweeter and more nurturing than milk. The connection to God, the yearning to reach out to God, is problematized by the reality of Israel as both a dream and a harsh reality. Are we supposed to be there, or are we supposed to create a vibrant life elsewhere until God chooses to return us to the land in God's own good time? I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.